You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. Good morning. And how are you today? Are you feeling okay? You've tuned into weird foreign accented Chancellor Pink. Today I speak in a mixture of German, Hungarian, and of course, Dutch. Now, what we speak of, stay here between us. Yeah. All right, I was just gonna, <laughs> doing a quick podcast on, that's right, my favorite topic, Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you remember. I did shitloads of podcasts all about that, which I'm sure none of you care about. Because the listeners that I have don't give a shit about the Steelers, really. Isn't that interesting how that happens when you don't talk about sports for most of your podcasts? <laughs> but then suddenly you decide to become a maniac posting about pit basketball and the Steelers. <laughs> it's called How to Lose an Audience. But... What I wanted to say about the Stillers is, uh, you know, I, I, I posted the podcast before the last game, Fire Mike Tomlin. Now I want to I, I add to it Fire Mac Canada with Mike Tomlin. But I, the reality is we know that if you fired Mike Tomlin, Mac Canada would be fired as well. So it's really killing two birds with one stone. But I feel stronger than ever about that position uh, and, and my righteousness because the, the philosophy of not playing your more talented players because they're not ready yet, and trust me, I'm a real knowledgeable guy. To me, you know, he, he's already proven that his judgment, Tomlin being the he in the sentence, that Tomlin has already proven that his judgment as to when players are ready, when they're not, and his selection of, you know, when to take bums out of the lineup and when to trust in them and keep playing them. He's already proven that that doesn't work. And we know this because the Steelers haven't won a playoff game in five or six years or whatever it is. And uh, every other year they don't even make the playoffs. And when they make them, they get their ass kicked. So that's all the proof you need if you're asking the question, what's, Tomlin, what's Tomlin's judgment like? Um, the reality is, you know, he doesn't juggle the pieces the right way, and he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. He leaves. He has favorites. He plays favorites, and he has people he likes, and he plays them, and he plays them even when they suck. Perfect case in point is Gunnar Olszewski. Now there's a guy that every fan and every media member knew, and that should not have been back on this team this year. I mean, for whatever reason, Tomlin liked him. So he was kept playing him last year and kept using him, even, and even as he fumbled and lost us games. By, lost us the Patriots game all on his own last year, really. Um, Tomlin usually has zero tolerance for fumbling, but he kept using him as a receiver and kept playing him, and everyone could see he has nothing. He's a nothing. And I don't care that he got to a Pro Bowl one year or was even all pro or whatever he was. 
as a return guy for the Patriots. He's never been a wide receiver, not even for the Patriots. So what do we do? We keep him as the next-in-line wide receiver with four guys, and all it would take would be one injury, and you'd need him, and that's what happened. Deontay Johnson injured out now for three more games till after the bye, and the, the guy they pick is, is Olszewski. And you know what's so funny about that is he then got injured, of course, on Monday night. And you actually have Miles Boykin making a catch. Miles Boykin, again, a guy who played for the Ravens, yet as, but only on special teams, never really as a wide receiver. And now we have him, and he never plays for us as a wide receiver. He's just a special teams ace. Uh, and and yet he's catching a pass for us in a game where the offense is a disgrace, and that's all you need to know. If Miles Boykin is out there catching a pass, your offense is a disgrace. So it's just funny that we had all of these options, all of these exciting, interesting options. Anthony Miller is still out there. We had people that actually looked good. You know, Cody White, I think, is injured. We had people that looked, you know, like they, they could actually be talented and maybe add something. You know, we let Sims go before. He was, you know, not awful last year. Uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, oh, shoot, his name escapes me now. The USF XFL player or whatever, XFL or whatever the hell it is, the other league. Uh, Butler, yeah. But he, he wasn't, he didn't look good. He was dropping a lot of passes. But, I'd, shit, I'd rather have him in there than... Gunnar Olszewski or Miles Boykin. But, I mean, we, we had options, and now we have nothing. And now just from one injury, we're down to crap. And that's bad judgment. That's bad judgment by Mike Tomlin. It was a bad roster construction. I can say the same thing for the defensive line. Uh, I can say the same thing for the offensive line, to be quite honest. I mean, they all stink. But if they got hurt, I don't know about our backups. I mean, all this talk about depth, it, it, you know, you have to know how to juggle players and use players and know how, who your best players are to, to, for the depth to be any good and for the use of that depth to be any good. And I, I just don't understand. What do people need to see from Mike Tomlin from now on? I mean, haven't we seen enough? He's no good at making judgments on talent anymore. He used to be somewhat reliable, but he's into favoritism too much. It shows through his selection of all the brothers and all the relatives. and He's just into that connected thing. Um, and it's just too much bias and not enough objective judgment of talent. And, and that's huge for a coach. Not just coaching them up, but actually playing your best players is a big thing. And he just doesn't do it enough. And he never has. He hasn't for years. And so he selects Olszewski as the guy to activate and, and chooses him to be the guy to return kickoffs. Now, we have a guy uh, that we signed. Granted, it was right near the end of, of training camp, but he's a guy that was all pro, all pro as a defensive back, and in the same year, second team all pro as a return specialist. Um, and... Uh, King is his name. Uh, why, why am I forgetting it? I, I forget Desmond, Desmond King. Uh, but the idea is, well, he can't. He's not up to speed yet. 
he's not up to speed with the defense yet. There's too much in terms of communication and too many things he'd need to know uh, to be able to function effectively. Well, so, so the guy hasn't even got a hat for the first two games of the season. Not even activated. But, um, and look, maybe their defense is like fucking rocket science and it's the most complex thing under the sun. Or maybe he's waiting to activate him for a road game where the crowd's not as loud when the defense is on the field so he can hear things more and can, and can under, and, you know, gives him more ability to maybe get the play right. Um, I don't know. But all I know is Desmond King is easily one of our best cornerbacks. And I know this because I listened to fans and media who just saw him play last year. And I know why they got rid of him, the Houston Texans. And so Tom was not using him. But the thing is, he's a return guy, too. So we go into this game and we don't have McFarland because of his knee. All of a sudden, his knee, you know, he'll never, he'll never be a player worth caring about McFarland because as soon as he's good and you're interested, he hurts a knee, which will probably ruin his whole year. But anyway... So now we don't have a kick returner. So Tomlin and his genius picks Olszewski. Doesn't activate Desmond King. Doesn't give him a shot because he says, oh, we need, we need Olszewski as a wide receiver too. You know, he, he, he's someone to, valuable to use as a kick returner and we'll play him at wideout. So what happens? So he, 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 he makes one of the dumbest plays in the history of the NFL, no lie, on a kickoff. Because because of the – now, here's the part nobody's mentioning in the media because the media is always a step below intelligent. They're talking about the fact that he should have just let the ball go out of bounds and it would have been spotted at the 40. That's absolutely true. And actually, instead of trying to get both feet in at the nine-yard line or whatever, tap, toe, tap them in, he should have intentionally tried to catch the ball and be out of bounds so that it would be sure to be spotted at the 40 because that's a kickoff out of bounds. If he catches it and he's out of bounds, there you go. So, because uh, if he lets it go, maybe it bounces inbounds and stays inbounds, and then it's a live ball, you know. So, I mean, I could see, I could see the logic of catching it, but instead of toe tapping your feet in, he should have jumped with the ball as far as he could out of bounds. But the point is, that's what the media said, and they are correct. Don't catch the damn thing; let it go out of let it go out of bounds, and the ball's at the forty and not at the nine. But here's the part they didn't mention, that after he caught it and toe-tapped, he threw his arm up to, to fair catch it, which is, okay, it's, it's, the, it's the more stupid thing than any of it is that he, he, he realized after the fact that he should have, if he was going to catch it and stay in bounds, he should have fair caught it. But he, threw up, he, he, he failed to do that till after the fact. He tried to do it after the fact, and it was pathetic and sad and comical that the guy's trying to fair catch after the catch because that was the whole reason he was trying to catch it. And that's the part that's too much nuance for a dumbass sports media in Pittsburgh to figure out or to talk about. And it's the most interesting part of the moronic play, okay? Because what Gunner was trying to do, clearly, was to fair catch it and get it at the 25, see? And this is the part that's too deep for the media. They forget about the new rule. New as in this is the first year ever that they're trying this out. And the rule is if you fair catch a kickoff uh, that's inside the 25, it has to, I think it has to be at least inside the 25. Uh, and, but you throw up your arm and fair catch it, you get the ball to 25. So what Gunner was trying to do was catch it, keep his feet in bounds, 
and get it at the 25. What he failed to do is throw his arm up first to fair catch it. Because if he had done that, if he had thrown his arm up to say fair catch, then grab the ball like he did, then toe tap inbounds like he did, we wouldn't have been at the nine-yard line. We'd have been up at the 25-yard line. But because he caught it, toe tap, then went out of bounds, then threw his arm up after the fact, it didn't do any good. It's not a fair catch then. And then you get the ball at the nine-yard line. So, yes, it is true. He should have just let the damn thing go or catch it and be sure to be out of bounds because then you get it up at the 40. It's a huge difference in yards, even from the 25. But the point is the nuance was he actually was trying to fair catch it under the new rule and move it up to the 25. He just forgot about the fair catch part until after, after he caught the ball. So that's what made the play extra stupid. But it also made it funny as hell. And again, the media misses this. It's very funny because he fucked it up twice. <laughs> he didn't just fuck it up by not letting it go. He fucked it up by not then also not fair catching it because that would have helped him as well. So he could have let it go, yes, but he also could have fair caught it. And that would have helped from the nine-yard line as well. So 16 yards more to the 25. So it was a big deal twice that he fucked it up twice. And it should have been mentioned and hammered on by the media that he fucked it up twice, not just once. That in two different and distinct ways, he fucked the play up, okay? And I know everyone's going easier on him because he got a concussion later. But he got a concussion while, you know, fumbling a ball. So that's the other funny part. Tomlin puts him in there to be the kickoff man. That's Tomlin's judgment. Nobody's talking about Tomlin's judgment. Tomlin's judgment is to put this guy in there for kickoffs, and he fucks up the kickoff in a major way. Then the very next series, he, or maybe it was that series when we come on the field, for some reason Tomlin has him in at wide receiver. So this, this guy that really should be like an emergency wide receiver at best they have in there playing. Matt Canada's got in there. You know, this guy that's the fourth wide receiver, which we never go four wides. Why would we ever fucking have him in there? He's no good. Everyone knows he shouldn't even be on the team. But no, no. Not only is he on the team, we have him in there playing wide receiver, even though he's the fourth wide receiver. So he catches the ball, fumbles it. They call it, you know, I think it was really incomplete. I'm not sure he made a football move. But whatever. The point is he fumbles it. And then, he, you know, he's concussed. Uh, and now he's in concussion protocol, so people are like, well, we don't want to be too hard on the guy. But look, Tomlin's judgment, again, not only to activate him, to have him on the team it, and use him at kickoffs that he fucked up, but to, and not only to have him as the fourth wide out on the team, to even have made the team, but to actually use him as a wide receiver. Costs us a fumble, a fumble. So the guy, you know, he puts us at the nine-yard line single-handedly by twice fucking up the same play or in two separate ways fucking up the play. And then he fumbles the ball and gives it to the other team. So, um, yeah, everyone agrees he should be cut, but he shouldn't have been on the team in the first place. And he shouldn't be the guy they activated and used for kickoffs. And nobody's saying they're just trusting. In fact, Ray Fittipaldo protects Tomlin on this. The idea that uh, that Desmond King, well, of course he, you know, he's it won't even be to the middle of the year till he sees action. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, these other guys, he, he's a smart dude. He's a good cornerback. He's an experienced cornerback. 
He's like, we signed all these different players this year on our defense. They're all out there playing. What, are they all geniuses? Sure, they had a little bit more time. They, they had the OTAs and all that shit. They could study the playbook or whatever. And they had practices. But, I mean, why get the guy if you're not going to use him? And um, he's only a slot corner, but he, he also plays outside. And what we've seen from our outside corners, the guys they insist on using, 93-year-old Patrick Peterson, who's probably hurting his chances of actually making the Hall of Fame with each additional game he plays for the Steelers, and uh, uh, Levi Wallace, who had a really solid year for us last year, you know, but is, after all, an undrafted guy who was a backup for Buffalo, who we've suddenly made a starting outside corner out of desperation and, and frankly, not having enough talent. So, of course, we could have had Gonzalez, who didn't go in the first-round first talent who was supposed to go top 10 out of Oregon at, at cornerback, but he didn't go to 17th. We traded up to 14. We didn't pick Gonzalez. We picked Broderick Jones instead. The Patriots take Gonzalez at 17. He's on the field chasing around Waddle and everyone else real good, doing great work as a rookie. Our guy that we end up taking at 32, Joey Porter Jr., can't see the field but for a few snaps because he's not ready, according to Mike Tomlin's judgment, and he's only complaining the dime and that's it. Meanwhile, the guy we picked at 14, Broderick Jones, he's also not ready, according to Tomlin's judgment. And we're using Dan Moore, who just graded, who's through two games, graded at something like 23 out of 100 by Pro Football Focus. And everybody's trying to defend him in the media again and say, Miles Garrett didn't do anything in that game, so screw Pro Football Focus. And, 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 and that uh, Dan Moore's the greatest thing since sliced bread, like he was in training camp, like that even matters. But what they're forgetting to point out is that the scoring for Miles Garrett and all that is based on only 25 pass rush snaps. And he didn't always go up against a Dan Moore Jr. Um, that's not what they do with him in Cleveland. They move him around. So th their defense of Dan Moore is misplaced because their, their assumption that the reason Miles Garrett didn't do much was Dan Moore's great play. Go watch the tape. I assure you that's not the truth. The truth is that Dan Moore stunk in that game. The truth is that Dan Moore stinks. We know this because he stunk for two full years. He stunk for two full years so badly that we traded up to get a left tackle who's now supposedly not good enough to unseed the lousy Dan Moore, who not only was lousy for two years and everybody knew it, but now scores, I think, the lowest of any left tackle in all of the game, according to pro football focus through two games. But they're wrong. Oh, pro football focus is wrong, even though all they're doing is validating what we already knew from two full seasons of watching the bum. So, hey, but let's not get angry about it. Let's trust in Tomlin because, hey, Broderick Jones just isn't ready. He'll be in there sooner or later, someday, some month. But here's the other thing that I don't like about Tomlin's judgment, okay, in keeping Matt Canada, Tomlin's judgment in sticking with this for, for Pickett and thinking that, you know, their relationship, you don't want to disturb that. I mean, it was a close call. I could see the logic of it. I didn't hate the decision at the time. I'm regretting not hating it more then. But Tomlin's judgment on, on, on Broderick Jones, Tomlin's judgment on Joey Porter Jr., who only still saw 14 snaps this week because of that's he's still only playing in dimes. He gets in there. He makes plays. 
Joey Porter Jr., for the snaps he's been in there, scored the highest of any cornerback on our team. Again, it's pro football focused, but still, the point is, our eyes showed us that as well. Our eyes showed us that Joey Porter did a good job and, and is our best cornerback. But, oh, he's not ready yet. Well, guess what? He's, he's the best we got. He may not be ready. I'm sure he'll make mistakes. But the other guys aren't. Levi, Levi Wallace scored pure shit because our eyes showed us he was pure shit. Don't tell me pro football focus is wrong. They're right, okay? Now, Peterson's not terrible, but he's not good. And, uh, and Levi Wallace has been terrible so far this year. And Joey Porter's talented. And why did we pick him if we're not going to use him? We needed him. We need a cornerback. We need Desmond King. We need these guys in our secondary. They have talent. Desmond King was all pro. What the fuck? You have an all-pro cornerback on your team and you're not using him? Because he's not ready yet. I mean, this is Tomlin's judgment. Okay? And then Tomlin blows another, you know, challenge, red flag challenge. Uh, he, was, he was one for one, one and one. He did win one, but he always loses them. Uh, Tomlin's judgment uh, is just not good enough, and, and it hasn't been for years, and that's why we don't win anything. And so fire Mike Tomlin, yeah, you know, I like, I like the guy, and it's nice to have a coach that nationally everybody kisses your ass like he's a star. It's nice to have someone on this Steelers team that nationally they give a shit about because they always underrate T.J. Watt and always overrate Miles Garrett and on and on and Mika Parsons and all these other people. They're great. T.J. Watt, you know, has never ascended to their level. Aaron Donald, but T.J. Watt, they just, I don't know what it is. They don't, I think it's his brother. I think that he's the brother of J.J. Watt. They just have diminished his significance. Plus, he was a low first-round pick. I think he was 30th. Overall, back when the Steelers were good, we drafted them when we actually were a pretty good team still. But um, so, so it's nice to have a coach who gets some acclaim, but let's be honest, it's unwarranted. And his judgment stinks. Uh, well, I won't say it stinks. His, he's, he has flaws, severe flaws in his judgment that end up costing the team because he doesn't, he doesn't play the best players. He just doesn't. He should always play his best players, whether or not they're young or old or whatever. He should actually play the best players. And his judgment of who can, constitutes the best is not always the best. Now, now we'll get to real quickly to pick it because I've already gone on longer than I wanted to here. But can he pick it? I mean, what I don't like is the media is frothing at the mouth. It can't stop ripping into him and saying how awful he is. Okay, he, he's had a, two very bad games. But I thought on Monday night, he struggled through it well. And he was the better quarterback of the two out there. That was clear to me. But also, I thought, you know, overall, he hung in there through a ferocious defensive performance by the Browns and an atrocious performance by the offensive line. And this is the part nobody's mentioning enough. Nobody's mentioning how awful they were. Now, I knew, I'm watching the game, Kenny Pickett was running for his life the entire game. He never had any fucking time. Why is he misfiring? He missed maybe two passes where he really had some time and fired it and just sailed it wrong, you know? That happened a couple times. It did, but only a couple times. But you got people on the radio, like bald-headed, egg-headed idiot, Chris Muller. I, I really dislike him, on 93.7 The Fan. 
saying, six, seven, eight passes. He keeps increasing the number of passes that Pickett just misfired on. That's just a lie. You know, if you really watch the tape, most of the passes he misfired on, he was under enormous pressure, okay? And nobody talks about the touchdown pass when he threw it. He got creamed, then he hurt his shoulder. Nobody's talking about that. His left shoulder, not his throwing arm. But he clearly got up and it was in, he was in pain. He laid there on the ground. He hung his left arm. He went into the locker room without a trainer. They mentioned it on TV. Then he came back magically and was playing. Nobody talked about it. The guy's hurt. He's hurt this week, guaranteed. It's probably going to bother him the rest of the year. You know? Uh, it's a serious shoulder injury, just not his passing arm. But, I mean, the point is, he's getting creamed out there. And nobody's feeling sorry for him. They're acting like he's just bad. Meanwhile, the offensive line is atrocious. And when Mitch uh, Trubisky, a terrible quarterback, was in there last year, all the media wanted to talk about was how bad the offensive line was. That's all they kept saying. They never criticized Mitch. They said, it's not just the quarterback. It's not the quarterback. He's playing all right. I don't even think he's the worst part of it. He was atrocious. He was every bit as bad as Pickett is. Every bit as bad. He went in there against the Baltimore Ravens, threw three interceptions, single-handedly lost us that game. They still tried to protect him. It's very clear the media loves ripping into the fans. And the fans supported Pickett because he played at Pitt. And so they can't wait to tear him down because any other year, any other year, the fans are lecturing. I mean, the media is lecturing the fans. The best favorite player on every team in Pittsburgh is the backup quarterback. No, you fans, you always want to go to the backup, but it's not the quarterback. There's a lot more going on. It's the whole team. The team's not good enough. It's not the quarterback. It's easy to boo the quarterback. and want to, you know, They're always lecturing us for years, for years here in Pittsburgh. After Bradshaw and before Ben, we got lectured for years and years and years by the local media about how dumb we were to want this quarterback in or that quarterback or whatever. We were idiots all along. They knew better, and you always have to stick with the guy who sucks. That's what they would tell us. But now that the guy who sucks is Kenny Pickett, a guy who played at Pitt, a guy who the fans were behind, the media can't wait to tell us, what a bum, what a loser, he stinks in every way. He's throwing 10, 11, 28 passes off the mark. He threw 53 passes out of his 24 passes that were off the mark. I mean, they can't wait to overstate, exaggerate, misstate how, how bad he is, you know? When the reality is he had a 71.8 passer rating, which is shit, but it, it's a, close to what he did last year for the whole year. I think he was 76 last year. I mean, really, if you looked at that game, it was kind of on par with the way he played last year. <laughs> it really is, which was not good enough. Don't get me wrong. But, we, we, you know, he won games for us playing that way last year. And guess what? We won this game on Monday night. And people would have said, oh, in spite of his play. No, he threw a 71-yard touchdown pass. And if he hadn't drilled it in there and thrown a perfect pass, it wouldn't have been a touchdown pass. That touchdown to George Pickens was because of Kenny Pickett. He stood in there with a guy barreling down on him, drilled a perfect pass to Pickens, got creamed for it, hurt his left shoulder. It'll probably bother him the rest of the fucking season. And we got seven points out of it, or maybe only six because I think we went for two and stupidly, you know, didn't make it. But... That's, that was a play that counts, friends, and it was a great play by Kenny Pickett, and nobody wants to say that because they want to say how bad he was, and that's all they want to talk about. So they're not going to mention that play that counts and actually scored a lot of points, and they don't care because another time he threw it, he misfired, 
And fucking Alex Kazora, who's a punk-ass bitch, seriously, if you have a gang of people that's willing to take money to beat them up and break bones, please pay them off and have them go kick the living shit out of Alex Kazora. Everybody kisses his ass. That guy needs his ass kicked, not kissed. He's a punk-ass bitch who always thinks he knows more than everybody, including the Steelers. And he actually listed, among his losers, Kenny Pickett. Now, you could say his stock went down more from that game. But the reality is, again, if you looked at the performance, 15 of 30 isn't very good completion either. But his average per throw was, I think, 7-4, which is way better than he did last year. And uh, and is getting closer to the, the average. I mean, it's right around mediocre for quarterbacks, average per throw. So that's huge to me. The most important thing we needed to get Pickett to do is to increase his average per throw. Get more bang for the buck with Pickett's arm and his throws. That's what we needed to do this year, as well as throw to the middle of the field more and, you know, in, up the touchdown passes some too. But that's what he did in that game. He had a 71-yard touchdown pass. That's a big step of progress. And it hurt him to do it physically. He got hurt to do it. And he gets nothing for it. And 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 what and what really burns me up, okay? And I'm not saying Pickett's playing well. He's not. But I, I believe that game that he played on Monday night was on par with many of the games he played last year. And just as he did last year, he won it. We won it. We won the game. And you could say the defense won it. That's fine. But the point is that the Steelers won the game and he was the starting quarterback and it was on par with the way he played last year. And so if a team can win with him playing, you know, let, let's calm down, take a step back and realize, you know, that that game Monday night wasn't the same as the game he played on the prior Sunday where he was really atrocious and really didn't do anything. And we lost and lost easily. He was better. He was better on Monday night. He really was. Nobody wants to say that, but he was. And here's why it was especially better. is the offensive line was disgustingly awful. And I don't understand how the media and people could watch that game and not see him running for his life. That's what was happening. Now, I did not feel that way in the, in the 49ers game. I felt like he had time to throw the ball. I felt like he had a lot of clean pockets. He just never stood up, you know, stepped up in the pocket and, and cleanly threw a good pass. He just was off. And he was holding the ball and just not making good throws, not making good selections. Now, I last Monday night, he was frantic and he was rushed and he was afraid and he was sloppier with his throws because of that. There was a difference, a big difference. Go watch the two games. I'm not wrong. So I have to say that the performance, given the atrocious play of the offensive line, on Monday night, the performance was much better by Pickett, I felt. And also, the running game is disgusting. Now, the excuse they used to blame it all on Pickett against the 49ers, you know, the way they just said Pickett was awful, Pickett was awful, and just kept saying it, and I agreed with them, is because the running game, they didn't have any plays. They ran the ball nine times, plus Pickett scrambled once. Ten runs altogether, but nine times they handed the ball off. That's it. Uh... So they didn't really have any, they never got any first downs. I mean, they didn't have any continuity. So they, they, they had no opportunity to really criticize the running game, even though the reason they didn't run it more is every time they handed it off, Najee Harris looked like a loser that he looks like to this day. Uh, and, and they just weren't effective. But there weren't enough runs for them to blame the running game. So they just said, well, we didn't see the run. And the offensive line seemed to do okay in protection. So it's all Pickett's fault. And I agree with them on that game.
However, however, now we realize we were wrong about the running game part from the San Francisco game because this line can't block for shit when it comes to opening holes in the running game. Not yet, anyway. Maybe they'll improve, hopefully. But right now, this offensive line stinks in the running game, okay? We, we have that confirmed now. This is two weeks in a row. Okay, we were wrong about, no, we didn't really see the running enough. No, they can't do it. They stink at it. And now, in this game, as well as stinking at the run, they can't pass protect. They were terrible at it. And I know you don't want to give any credit to Pro Football Focus because it takes some of the heat off Kenny Pickett, but too bad, media, you're going to have to do it because it's reality. Use your fucking brain, use your eyes, back the fuck off, okay? The reality is the offensive line, both for the run and against the pass, were atrocious, were atrocious on Monday night. And given those realities that Kenny Pickett had zero running game to speak of, no fault of his own at all, and also was running for his life 90% of the time, every time he dropped back to pass, 15 of 30 and 220 yards or whatever it was, and a touchdown pass, wasn't that bad. I mean, honestly... Given that very harsh reality of, of how awful the offensive line was, it was a, a valiant effort and, you know, and one that a winning effort. So does he need to get better? Yes, but I thought he did. He played better given the circumstances. And uh, we'll see how he does in, uh, in Vegas on Sunday night now. Um, I'm as disappointed as anybody in Pickett's performance. Uh, I, I really believed that the preseason was coming was showing the coming up to fruition of all of his efforts. And I didn't think it was a fluke. But here's what I will say about that. We know that it's in there, okay? We saw it for a full season at Pitt. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist for a very good reason. And we saw it in the preseason. And we saw it in a couple drives last year. We see this magic he can have where he's – fantastic with his accuracy, can throw the deep ball and down ball and down the field accurately, can throw drill passes down the middle of the field, 15, 20 yards down the middle of the field with accuracy, makes good decisions, finds the open men quickly, runs the ball when appropriate, effectively. We know it's all in there. We've seen it. Yet the media is pretending like he's just a bum now and and they're letting these assholes get on and talk about he wasn't any good at Pitt till the last year. He's, you know, went to the tw- – he dropped all the way to 20th for a reason. Small hands, that's even making a comeback. I mean, everyone's letting people just tear into him now as if the things we saw from him don't count. And they're saying the preseason doesn't count. That's not true. That's executing an offense. I don't care who's out there on defense. They executed something they're not doing now. So, but it counts. It proves that he has the ability to turn and roll out and make moves and stand in the pocket and fire with accuracy. He's done it all. We've seen it. It's in there. The key to any NFL success, however, is consistency. Doing it game in and game out consistently. And... And he hasn't had a single game where he's done it even for a whole game. All of that in an an NFL real game or even the preseason games. Those were just little drives here and there. That's it. So that's all true. And um, that's concerning to me as well. But but we know it's in there. And so let's, let's just step back from the ledge a little bit before we go overboard. 
with how awful Kenny Pickett is. Let's recognize how awful, sincerely awful, the offensive line has been this year, and especially in that game Monday night. How he has no running game to speak of to work with to help him out. And how the pass protection has been porous, and that's putting it lightly. Uh, the guy's getting hit and, and, and tossed around and sacked and beat up and chased. And if it wasn't, it's only his athleticism that's enabled him not to be hit and sacked more. Uh, he's making, people are instead ripping him off like he's running into sacks. And it's so far from the truth. The reality is he, he would have been sacked a lot more if he wasn't better at moving around like he is. So, I mean, if he wasn't as good as, at moving around as he is. So, uh, yeah, he's bad. He's been playing bad. There's no question. His stats are near the bottom. But uh, he, he, that, game, that game Monday night was no worse than he was last year. And, uh, and we're still at the beginning of this year. So, although, yes, we're not seeing progress, um, we really aren't seeing progress in, in, in the offensive line. If you want to talk about what really has taken a step back this year, it's the offensive line. And Najee Harris. The way Najee and the line ended the year, we thought we were building something. We come to this year, and Najee and the offensive line have taken huge steps, step backs. And with them, pick it, sure. But to me, why was it all last year we understood? And Bill Cower said it early in the year last year. You got to give this guy a running game. You got to give, you know, get the, that line bolstered. You know, you can't expect this rookie quarterback to put the team on his shoulders. Well, now we're in the early stages of his second year, and he didn't even have a full year last year. But now suddenly it's just all his fault, and it's all on his shoulders. And suddenly he doesn't need – he can have this garbage offensive line out there playing like shit, and we don't care. It's his fault. He can have zero running game, Najee touching the ball and acting like, oh, I might sit down here. Let me just sit for a while. Every time he touches the ball, he just stops moving. It's the most retarded thing. You know, have you ever seen such a thing? Here's a ball, Najee. Why would you give me this? What am I doing? I'm just going to dance around, stand here, think about things. Oh, I'm tackled. Uh, it's just, you know, he's regressed. Najee has regressed. The offensive line has regressed. And so, yes, Kenny has regressed as well, it looks like. But I don't know. I Like I said, I think that game Monday night is not a regression. I think that game Monday night is on par with the games he gave us most of the time last year, which weren't good enough, in my opinion. But, you know, I don't think he's any worse. I really don't. I think he was worse against the 49ers. That was a shockingly awful performance. But I thought Monday night, it was very similar to what we'd see. And yet I think he also increased his yards per throw, which is progress. And frankly, I just think, you know, uh, he's we, we're, we're trying to change his game. And... Uh, He's, he's adjusting to that while adjusting to the fact that his offensive line is shit. So will we improve? Will the line get better? Will Pickett get better? Stay tuned, you know? I mean, I feel like uh, it's certainly in there, and we've seen that it's in there. And so a little patience, it, it should be rewarded. The victory should be rewarded with more patience. And this is the part, too, that I wanted to mention. You can poo-poo the fact that they won because the offense looked so bad. And, and, you can, and, the, and the defense got pushed around in the running game again. So you could say, well, we got a couple touchdowns from the defense, but that's never going to happen again, and we got lucky, and really we should have lost that game, and blah, 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 blah. You can go that route if you want to. But the way route I choose to go is we're in second place in the division now. Uh, 
There are only two teams in the entire AFC that are 2-0. and We're 1-1. and uh, We have a couple winnable games, road games, but against teams that are, are not as good as, as, as Cleveland and certainly not the 49ers coming up here in the, in the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Houston Texans. Uh, and, you know, it's early. It's early, and Tomlin's teams always start lousy, you know, except for the first game where he sometimes flukes out a win. Uh, his teams have been starting lousy. So, uh, and there were new additions here. And I think Isaac Sayamalu on the offensive line isn't really looking good. And James Daniels isn't looking good at all. Uh, and he, he seems to, last year he stunk at the beginning of the year too. I think maybe they're just adjusting, you know. Give the offensive line a chance to adjust and get their shit together. Get Broderick Jones to F in there as soon as possible. Get Dan Moore to fuck out of there. Um, and, yeah, I, I think we've seen that it's in there from Kenny, and let's hope that he can actually put a game together and start to really click. Uh, do I guarantee it? No. At this point, uh, I was disappointed in him at the end of last year. I've said this, that overall his ability to throw accurately downfield was concerning me. Um, but he looks like he's improved in that regard a little bit. So... If he's improved in that regard, maybe he gets the other self back together and he starts running more because that's the other thing. He's not running. He's not moving right. I mean, he's moving good to avoid sacks, but he's not moving good as in terms of an aggressive star-making, play-making quarterback. He's not moving with, with vision. He, he, he's just, yeah, he's not, he's not right. But, um, but I thought he did a valiant job struggling through a disastrous offense all around on Monday night. And I thought he was hardly the big flaw. Uh, he was one of the reasons they sucked, but he <laughs> he wasn't the main reason. The main reason to me was the offensive line. Uh, and I would actually put Najee Harris second and then pick it. Uh, and I think Matt Canada is probably not ahead of him as well as a reason why the offense sucked. So I really, uh, I'm not trying to protect the guy. I don't know. I, I, I now... I'm not sure what he has, uh, if he ever is going to be consistent enough to to be a, a real star quarterback, to be a quarterback that you can be happy to give millions of dollars to and be your guy. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever get there. But I'll tell you this. We know it's in there. We know he has it in there to do it at, 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 in fits and spurts. And will he ever get it to a consistency level where he can really be a top-quality NFL quarterback? I don't know. But I, I definitely feel like Monday night's performance was better than last Sunday. And uh, that's good. And uh, the performance wasn't good, but the progress is good. And we should just uh, go from there. And a win is good. And we have the luxury now of being patient with Pickett, continuing on, hoping for the best, because we're one and one You know, I mean, the reason they took out Trubisky wasn't his awful play, they would have stuck with it if he was winning despite his awful play. The reason they took him out is we were losing to the hapless Jets, and we thought, oh, my God, we're not scoring any points. The offense is pathetic, and the Jets suck. Well, little did we know the Jets had a really good defense. But shh, don't, let's not go back in time because at least that allowed Pickett to get his career started. But, but the point is we were losing, and that's why we made the switch. So media people back off. Can you pick it? We're, we're one and one, okay? And you can m make excuses and poo-poo that win all you want. But the reality is we're one and one. 
And if we keep winning and Pickett still doesn't look good, we're winning. And hope he, just keep hoping he gets it together. Because if he does and we keep winning and he, and he gets it together, then look out, right? And now all of a sudden we'll be a good team. So uh, let's just hang in there. He's our only hope this year. Trubisky's a bum. Don't, don't ever get delusional and think that guy's ever going to be any good. He isn't. We know that he doesn't have it in there to ever be consistent and a good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, we're hopeful that Pickett still does. We know that he has it in there to be that way at game-winning moments and also to make really accurate throws. He's not doing that right now. Uh, he's not running good. He's not doing anything good right now. But I thought the effort Monday night was a valiant one given the atrocious performance by the line. And I think uh, we went, we won, and let's just move on from there. And uh, sadly, we have to move on with Tomlin, whose judgment has proven to be uh, – over and over again in recent years, mediocre at best, and I think poor. And um, the sooner we get Desmond King and Joey Porter in on defense, and I mean regularly, like every snap, the better we'll be on defense. And I think the sooner that we get Broderick Jones in there at left tackle on offense, the better we'll be on offense. And I fully 1,000% believe that. I think uh, these players need to play. And uh, and once they play and get the rust off and get acclimated more, uh, the Steelers will be uh, a f- could develop into a formidable team if Pickett gets his shit together as well. I love you. Yabba da boop bop.